Hi, and welcome back to Being Epic, a podcast where we take honest conversations to a new level. I'm Julieta, your host, and my guests and I are here to remove filters, stigmas, and insecurities and create a collective energy of being vulnerable, of being honest, and of sharing each other's epic ideas. We give you culture, knowledge, and inspiration by shining a spotlight on personal journeys so we can adapt our opinions and perspectives and let go of restraints. Before we get started, you can find Being Epic on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Anchor amongst others where you can hit subscribe and or leave a review um, if you haven't already please do so it helps getting the podcast out to more people and spread the stories of these amazing guests that i have on my guest today and drum roll please because he's the first male to join the being epic podcast um, is Dupi singh the creator and co-founder of Daydreamers. Um, together with his fiance, they are creating a space and a community where you can tap back into creativity and being creative and allowing your mind to switch off for a little bit and do things that you haven't been doing since you were a kid, maybe. Um, and it's... As he explains it himself, you'll hear in a minute, um, it's like a gym for creativity. I think it's super, super, super cool. I haven't seen anything like this yet. I know we have co-working spaces where um, we revolutionized how we work um, and can individually step into these spaces and network and, yeah, exchange ideas. But... I've never seen a space being created um, where you can actually meet other humans that enjoy being creative and even non-creatives or people that haven't really allowed themselves to ignite their creativity. Let's put it that way, um, where you can exchange ideas and thoughts and kind of do something together but individually it's a really special um, startup and I cannot wait to see how it flourishes. Um, due to the pandemic they've had to adapt their strategy and are creating a toolbox in a way but I don't want to explain too much because Doopy will do that for you and he's obviously doing a much better job than I am but our conversation was really special we obviously talk about creativity we talk about technology in today's day and age we talk about as always social media my favorite and we discuss being a first generation immigrant how he's felt, um, his personal journey, um, the societal picture of a man and having to fulfill that and the anxiety that comes with that. I think that's super interesting. Um, so yeah, again, all across board and I don't want to take too much time for this intro because this conversation deserves the the main stage. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Doopy. And we're live. Hi. 
Hi, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Um, how are you? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing good. I, I think considering the circumstances for everyone, I think that's generally the answer. But mm -hmm. I, I think that you know, it's it's we we're making the most of being inside and also like doing our civil duty in terms of what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, how have you spent this quarantine period? Yeah, so I would say like the quarantine period, I've been telling this to a, uh, a lot of the folks, hasn't been so different for um, my fiance and I. We're, mm -hmm. we're launching our own startup. And I think that we've been working so much more because we've been inside and there's not much else to do. Mm -hmm. which is good and bad you know we get to we're working together so it's it, it's fun that we get to you know constantly be bouncing ideas off of each other and talking about things but then you also end up just working a lot because there's nothing else to do you can't really go outside and spend too much time so um definitely had its perks so hopefully when things settle down we'll we'll, we'll take a, a small break mm. you said you're launching a startup which is called daydreamers mm -hmm. um Tell me how you came up with the idea when you had the light bulb moment um, and tell people what this is all about. I read up on it and mm -hmm. I'm literally so excited. I love it. Um, but you tell me. Yeah. Um, thank you for that and appreciate that it's resonating with people and yourself as well. So I think um, daydreamers is going to need to be a movement. It's going to be a cultural shift of how people think about their free time and their leisure time currently. Mm -hmm. In times we, in the modern, in modern world, we think that we don't have time for anything else besides working out, um, going to work, and then, you know, potentially consuming, um, content, wherever that may be from streaming to your phone or online. So... Mm -hmm. What it came up with was Katina and I have both worked in, you know, traditional corporate roles and in high intensity jobs. I've spent most of my time in finance and, you know, we would often come back from work and sort of slouch on the couch as most people would do. And you're, you know, put a streaming video on in the background while you're on your phones and you kind of become mindless. You kind of mm -hmm. really, you know, take that time to just, you know, melt into the couch for most people. And, you know, we realized this is a constant thing. We would do this every weekend. We would do this, you know, on weeknights. And we felt like there had to be something different that we could do. And the more we thought about when we felt alive and more, you know, happy and engaged in society and ourselves was maybe potentially in our childhood. And the reason we discovered was, you know, a huge thing was creativity. We were very creative as kids whether that was, you know, make-believe games or coming up with projects to, you know, build things with your hands. I love doing that. And we realized as adults, there aren't a lot of places for you to go to engage in creative behaviors and really dive back into those things. There's only two bookends of the spectrum where it's like, I want to become a master chef or a <laughs> woodworker and then let me pay thousands of dollars over, you know, a very regimented course to, you know, now that will be, you know, my main hustle. That'll I'll make that into my priority of, you know, pursuing my passion or it's mm -hmm. pretty much one 
do a date night, um, paint and sip, or you do something that's a creative corporate adventure. And there was nothing in between to really do all the time. And that's when the light bulb moment sort of went off. We were like, we need to create a space where people can come in. And we were calling these spaces gyms for creativity. Um, and think similarly to a fitness gym where they can come in and experiment with a multitude of different creative mediums and really experiment will provide the tools, the space and the guidance for you to really dive back into creativity. Because as an adult, you want to be such a perfectionist and you want to do everything so well, mm-hmm. you don't really tap into those behaviors as the same way you did as a child. So that's how we came up uh, with daydreamers. Um, it's kind of really shifted since then, but we'll mm-hmm. sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, why do you think that we're less creative as adults than as kids when we still have the capability of tapping into it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think as adults. Um, in the modern world, what we notice that people try to become very niche. I think mm-hmm. we found that people are more incentivized to go from point A to point B and then to point F, you know, and it mm-hmm. line. And they're not really looking to take a lot of like stops or like, you know, go to point Z and then come back. You know what I mean? Like not a lot of uh, wiggles in the road to get there. It's very linear pattern. We're taught that from day one and going to school, if you work very hard, you know what uh, school you go to, like a prestigious school, and then you know what career you want, then you can really achieve happiness by getting into that career and moving up the corporate ladder. And Mm. that's very thought about in a linear manner. Rather, creativity is a very risky and disruptive thing where, you know, you're supposed to experiment with painting one day or you kind of like you know do a splash another day or you really create something out of wood and that isn't really rewarded in the modern world and as adults especially with all the the other factors in terms of you know rising debt and and, um, increasing college tuition all of those things you really want to come to a point where you don't tap into those things and you just work a ton now you know I think we're less fulfilled, we're working more, we're taking less vacation, all in that pursuit of happiness that we sort of delay and also think that it'll come when, I don't know, it's very different from many folks, but it's usually in that, what I was saying, along that linear line. But I work in the creative industry, I'm a photographer and Mm -hmm. I work in branding, so I remember when I first kind of expressed the feeling of hey I want to do this as a job I want to find a job that lets me be creative the immediate reaction was always yeah but you're never gonna make any money with it so Mm -hmm. choose a job that you know you're gonna have some income and you're safe like you can do all that fun stuff on the side but I was I am very stubborn so I was dead set nope I want to pursue this Um, and it is a struggle, but I think it is incredibly rewarding for your brain to take a minute to step back and tap into what you're passionate about and do something with your hands. Um, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, so I think this is a great 
startup that you've created to allow people to come back and um, actually do something that also helps their minds. Yeah, and I think what you just mentioned as well, you know, it's a big issue that we find is that folks even, folks often think that if I go this logical path and if I go down something that'll make me money and I can sort of pursue um, my passions or creativity on the side, Mm. Our society tells us that if you're spending your time on something, figure out how to monetize that. Like if I like baking cupcakes just for fun and like making bread or making couches or chairs and stuff like that, why don't you now start making a lot of those so you can sell them online and then make that into a business and then quit your day job and then just focus on that. But we Mm. was out on the experience of, hey, I just want to do this for fun and then I want to do something else for fun. And I think we've found that a lot of creatives or prolific thinkers or people that have found material success that we admire, um, idols in the world, they've taken a a very squiggly path. You know, they have, they were potentially in corporate and then they took like three months off and traveled the world and learned something else. Then they took an art class. Maybe they took some design and that has allowed them more experiences so they can become the best in whatever the industry or whatever they want to do because they've garnered those experiences over time. I was similar to you, so I was just a tad bit. Um, when I was in high school, I remember taking one of these tests and um, it tells you sort of what maybe careers you should go into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a passion of like um, building stuff. When I say mm-hmm. stuff, I think like houses and design and furniture and stuff of that nature. I was really good in wood shop and I enjoyed all of the technical aspects of that. And I was, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'll go into architecture. And that was a, that's what I was thinking about going to school. Um, college for. And then I found out how much it paid. And being a first generation immigrant, um, you know, going to college, I was like, you know, I'm really also good at presentations and math. Um, Maybe I'll go into business. I had no idea really what I wanted to do within the context of business at that, let alone what investment banking and private equity and an investor was. And that's where I ended up, you know. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, the path that people potentially like me don't have the, the fight against resistance the same way you did and pursued your passion. But it's also, I think, the factor that the older generation who is our parents, grandparents, etc., um, they don't, they never really had the opportunity for most people at least that if you're interested in something that's not law or medicine or finance, um, that they couldn't really explore that because it was a taboo kind of thing Mm -hmm. from their parents' generation. So I think they're struggling with having us do our own thing and doing jobs that no one even dreamed of 10, 20 years ago. Right. Um, in our generation, it's much more common. You meet people and, oh, yeah, I'm a photographer or, oh, yeah, I'm a painter or, yeah, I'm a performance artist. Um, but it's the struggle that you have to kind of prove yourself to that older generation, maybe. Yeah, um, I, I agree. There's definitely an element. And I think there's two aspects. One, I think, you know, growing up in an immigrant household, 
Uh, mm-hmm. My parents took the risk of coming to the United States. So for me, I what I was sort of really encouraged and fostered to do was go down a stable path and a reputable mm-hmm. path. So that's doctors, lawyers, engineers, similar to you, what you mentioned. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, pursue your passions on the side, if anything. And that was really, you know, you don't have much time left when you're really just pursuing those things uh only um, those careers and really focusing on get excelling. And mm-hmm. other, you know, is, is exactly what you were, uh, other route is exactly what you were talking about, where the older generation doesn't know um, how to accept that we're do- looking to do something different because none of this stuff existed in the past, right? And also right. they have the best intentions, I think, in our mind of like where the world is headed and how to really have their children be set up for success. And something that we say at Daydreamers as we have to be less robotic and be more humans. And I forget the exact saying, and that makes so much sense because we're in the future, like so much of our technology is going to replace the mundane tasks that we do currently. And you know, mm-hmm. car driving cars come into play and technology becomes a bigger aspect. The only thing that will really remain will be creativity. And that'll be like in 10 years, there'll be jobs and careers that are based around creativity that don't exist today. And that's exactly what's happening with our older or the older generation when they're talking to us and now how photography is so prevalent and it's so valuable, but maybe back in the day that wasn't a really um, a career that could provide stability. So it's also just that generational gap. I think you. Mm. How do you think technology numbs creativity? Because I believe it does, mm-hmm. um, but I want to hear from you what you think. Yeah. So this is definitely a double-edged sword because I do think. Mm. Um, tech is great when it helps facilitate um, tasks. It can make them easier. It can allow you to experience more things. Like the internet isn't all bad. I think you can. <laughs> yeah. And it oftentimes has a negative. You know, people are like, "My smart. I'm attached to my iPhone or smartphone. I'm all always on email. I really don't have time to do anything else." And technology has inhibited us from doing things. And I think the difference is when you become an uh, unconscious and passive consumer of technology and allow it to sort of life and allow it to dictate what you do rather than using it as an aid to help do the things that you potentially want to do. So if you're a, hmm. an active consumer of technology and, or user and then you're conscientious about it, I think it would be great. And you know, now you can go on YouTube and learn how to you know, make amazing dishes or really learn how, like, so what TikTok is pretty new to me. Um, <laughs> fascinating. Um, how yeah, for sure. <laughs> great. These, this, this younger generation is going to be at dancing. Like I grew up dancing Bhangra and, you know, we used to compete, but there weren't often that many, like you said, performance artists or folks that were really pursuing this as a passion or even as a career. But looking at some of these kids on TikTok, I'm like, you guys are killing the dance <laughs> and the creativity. So it could really be helpful in that. But if you're going to sit on TikTok for three hours a day, 
you're just consuming. You're not putting out good content. You're not learning anything, you know? So there's the numbing factor. And that's, you know, what I think all of us really are so robotic in our lives. Like we'll commute to work, maybe not now. And we'll deal with emails and, and then come home, eat a quick salad that's already chopped up for us. And then we just need to really detox all of that out. And technology allows us to numb ourselves to an extent, you know, what I was, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be scrolling or swiping on our, um, on our phones while we have something playing in the background. And I think we're all a culprit of that. And I think the pendulum will switch a little bit back to the more the analog days. And maybe we're seeing some of that in this, so in this uh, current health pandemic, this like a massive social experiment as to what happens post, uh, post COVID-19 when the world Mm. quote unquote returns to normal. Yeah. It's, I think we're just creatures of habit. We Mm -hmm. just fall into routine and it's easy. It's comfortable. And anything that's uncomfortable is obviously a little bit scary and you, you don't really want to always step out into the and out of your comfort zone so you get stuck in those habits um but it it does take a trigger for you to fall out of those habits and actually realize hey there's something that I could be doing with that free time when I come home from work or there is something that I really enjoy doing that I want to pursue but I'm just a little bit scared Mm -hmm. um what do you do um that's creative that you've really enjoyed besides dancing maybe mm-hmm. still <laughs> yeah no I actually um in the last few months I, I've been craving to do one last competition in Bhangra I don't know okay happened the younger guys are really good the same team that I used to dance with and I'm getting I'm getting up there in age compared to those guys and they they're a little they're much better than I am so but in my in my free time now I love to um, make things. And that's going back to my passion, maybe that I had growing up. Mm-hmm. I was talking about, I'll take like a grid piece of paper and start designing or sketching different pieces of furniture, things that we need around the apartment. And mm-hmm. I can do it. I have no real background in architecture or design or how to use any of this equipment, but I'll like learn, I'll watch and I'll kind of figure that out. And I love to cook different things um just how do you use different parts of of a same plant in different ways so that we're not wasting things i think that comes from more of an immigrant side of things but Mm. um you know i'm looking into our apartment right now and i built the couch it's a pretty simple platform couch and our tv stand and our multimedia stand and i we have a bench out in our backyard and i built that too all of these were, you know, I think weekend activities that are mm-hmm. useful and so rewarding when you're when you're utilizing them, seeing them come to life. And to me, I love the 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 concept of touching and creating with my hands and seeing an end product to it. I try to really get into, um, or hopefully, we'll continue to get into photography and the technical mm-hmm. those things and Photoshop. But it's something, you know, I definitely need to explore more of. But mm. there's a ton of value in that, too. I don't think creativity necessarily needs to be, um, you know, I think there's a preconceived notion of what creativity is, which is like painting 
um, surround yeah. stuff of that nature. But creativity is all around us, and that's the really amazing part. Like that's what differentiates us from llamas and fish and any other species. <laughs> They're really not going out there and creating cities. Everything that's within these cities and even rural areas, right? They're hmm. Their environments and their habitats haven't changed over time, but yet humans have created everything from glass jars where we could put flowers to, to now Tesla cars that drive themselves. You know that's pretty. Mm-hmm. So that's all creativity. Those are like the what if scenarios that humans are blessed with. You mentioned that daydreamers has pivoted during the COVID nineteen outbreak. And mm-hmm. I read that you wanted to open a space in the summer, mm-hmm. but tell me how you've pivoted that idea. Yeah, so I think everything happens for a reason. We were pretty. Mm-hmm. We moved from San Francisco to New York. Um, Katina and I are, are New Yorkers, but we also did a bunch of surveys to figure out where we would start our first location. And I think New Yorkers need it the most to an extent. Mm. Um, <laughs> And you know the health pandemic happened, and we're continuing and going through it. And for the foreseeable future, it's going to be very—it's going to be a different landscape of how people are going to interact with each other in social environments and also enclosed environments. So we were lucky enough that we were able to adapt. And I love using the word adapt instead of pivot because okay, and pivot I think is more like when it's an unexpected thing happens in your business model or your foreseeable future like or your growth strategy and then you can kind of take a a complete left turn and be like wow this is the new thing that we're going to focus on but for for daydreamers we always knew we we always knew we wanted to do some of the things that we're exploring to do now so we used to say that we're going to be a physical first digital second uh, Mm -hmm. and obviously in the current environment that's not going to be the case So we're really focusing on what we can do to bring creativity to people in their homes and how they can engage in creativity um, consistently and build habits. So we're, you know, in the next few weeks, um, we're going to be launching our first beta product that Mm -hmm. will be a leisureous toolkit that folks can interact with over a period of time. And it'll give them different moods that they can really um, be able to explore and engage with. So if you really want to be a relaxed state, we're calling that chill. If you want to be energized and really experiment and think outside the box, or if you're someone who's wants to be going for a focused mood and get to an output, maybe you're a type A sort of person that, so that was our goal is to how do you, how do you codify the daydreamers experience we were going to have in a physical location into something that folks can do on their own and also feel like it isn't, you know, a one-time thing where I build, you know, a planetarium and it's done. Like I'm done mm-hmm. with creativity of, for the year. It's something that I continue to do over a course of few weeks and I get inspiration. So that's been, you know, an exciting sort of adaptation for us. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a bunch of other tricks up our sleeves. We we always just knew that daydreamers, like I said in the, the start of this, is a movement, a cultural movement, a societal movement where we're looking to build with creators like yourself, 
non-creatives, like that's a vast majority of us. Like I never considered myself to be a creative um, and we're all creative, which is a crazy and shocking thing <laughs> yeah. to promote, right? So yeah. In, in, in the context of that, we see a lot of other, um, a lot of cool ideas that we're looking to pursue over the next few few months as well. And I, like I said, it's it's an opportunity for to really look at what's needed in the world right now. And physical spaces, unfortunately, aren't that, and they're not the safest environment. So I think we're we're working on other things. Are you still going to open a space when the time is right? Yeah, I think we would love that. I think. Um, That will always be a part of our goal is to open spaces around um, the U.S. and potentially around the world. We have a different plan in that. And then short-term pop-ups and stuff of that nature. And mm -hmm. It goes back to, you know, building on the habits that exist. So for a lot of people, going to the gym after work or during work is over the last decade, the fitness industry has done an incredible job of saying like, you should work out a lot. Um, and that is hugely important to your health. Mm -hmm. Building on that habit of going to a place was the physical um, locations that gyms for creativity, you would go to some uh, a daydreamers location before or after work or during work, you know, and mm -hmm. able to experiment with a few different things and relax your mind or really just enjoy the process of creating without any pressure. And there's people there to help you along the way to kind of guide you. Or if you need a more prescriptive nature where you're, you need to be told how to, you know, cut a piece of wood the correct way and be safe, we'll provide you that guidance. So I think that will exist. And I think a lot of, you know, what influenced that For us was also like a lot large majority of big firms that have big campuses are able to offer some of their employees some of those behaviors or those those um activities on campus but i would say like 90 of us aren't exposed to that so um that was that's always going to be a, a part of our goal in the future okay do you think human connection is vital when it comes to creativity key 100 yes mm. um and then there's two two ways to go about it so one of we had an opportunity to speak with a neuroscientist and um a professor uh dr eagleman and anthony brand who wrote the book runaway species and one of the advice we got from them is that creativity is definitely a vulnerable activity so you can create spaces where people can feel Like they can create and not have the pressure to expose that creativity to anyone else and do it for themselves. And that's why originally we were going to do have different, you know, rooms where people can go be secluded and still have that same experience. And then all mm -hmm. the rest of um, the location design was going to be very open because you, what we found by talking to a multitude of different artists is that even if you're... Um, a sculptor, you're oftentimes very inspired by different mediums that other creatives are playing with that impact your work. So Picasso back in the day was very influenced in one of his paintings by West African culture um, exhibition that was like not too far away from his house. And mm -hmm. for creativity to thrive, I think you can really do that in environments where you're inspired by others. And you see that other people are being vulnerable. So you allow yourself to be 
vulnerable as well. And you also get joy from making connection with others. You build the same way uh, community that, hey, this is someone trying this for the first time so I can really connect with them. But also, hey, someone's done this for a very long time. Let me ask for their advice. So I think in, inherently humans are very social beings and I mm-hmm. think creativity is a great way to facilitate that experience. Um, so yeah, I think creativity is, is key in terms of, you know, allowing you to build those, those, those social communities going forward. And we know like that has such an impact on your overall health, your well-being, and longevity. Yeah. And I think there's not, I mean, this is the first time that I've seen where a space would be created where creatives or even non-creatives, but want to do something creative in their off time come Mm -hmm. together because um, otherwise we're all kind of isolated throughout cities and the world and we do our thing and we can connect via, I don't know, Instagram or Mm -hmm. any kind of online tool and exchange, but it's never a, a larger gathering of people that exchange creative ideas or, um, techniques that they know that others can adapt like adopt um so yeah yeah, it does it makes a difference when you can actually exchange ideas and talk about things and do things together because it's like a chain reaction like it just goes off in your brain it's um yeah no interesting you're you're absolutely correct and that's sort of the feedback we've gotten i think the first thing is that there you know making a place where everybody or creating a brand and a movement where everyone feels included and is accessible. So mm-hmm. part of that is bringing everyone together, the creatives and the non-creatives, you know, we're all human and creativity exists within all of us. It's literally part of our DNA. So I think when we combine like we create spaces for whether they're virtual online or in physical locations for people to feel that connection that everyone has this capability i think it's very powerful and then secondly exactly what you said even for the creatives oftentimes if you're in an art studio the art studios or the art collaborations are for a specific set of uh, artists or type of creative so you're not really gonna find locations where they're sculptors and they're also someone working with textile or like someone working on let's say podcasting for an example but Mm. how often can some of those things you know like you said uh, disperse from one creative or an artist to another that allows something else to be created so one one of our one of our friends does a mixed medium where she does like embroidery textiles on canvas and then also paints and i was like that is amazing i've seen these pieces they're Um, they look beautiful, but she's the only one I've kind of really seen do this. And and I think it's, you know, her husband is also a creative. So they're kind of able to bounce different ideas off of each other. And he works in a completely different medium. He sculpts and does like toy design. So I think allowing people to um, bringing that, bringing everyone together will only make our society more creative. And there's just so many great benefits to creativity from a health perspective overall. Mm. 
Um, daydreaming, the word in itself, it's often, and doing it, um, is often kind of considered a waste of time. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think that is? I think that's exactly why we, ch I'm so glad you picked up on that. That's exactly why we chose the name. Um, Mm -hmm. Daydreaming is oftentimes is a negative connotation. It's unproductive yeah. behavior. You're daydreaming at work or in school, like you're not focusing. Mm -hmm. When you're daydreaming, you're in, um, you're actually, your mind is working. And that's oftentimes when people would say they came up with that brilliant idea or that spark of ingenuity, you know, mm -hmm. there's, you might be on a walk or on, on driving down a highway and you're like, oh no, like that's how every, like that's how everything fits together. Mm -hmm. That's such a net, that's in our modern world, going back to it, it's like, if you're not like efficient, productive and always on the go, there's something wrong. And I, that is, um, that's such a, a shift from how society and how people live their lives pre-industrial revolution where you know think about the ancient romans like they definitely made such great advancements in philosophy technology and everything right but they also spent so much of their time you know enjoying themselves drinking wine lounging around having like activities and fairs that they went to so we really don't give ourselves that space to daydream and part of what we wanted to do with daydreamers is evoke that feeling which you get from daydreamings where you're very relaxed. You can, while you're working on different things in your mind and you oftentimes feel, you know, you come out feeling rejuvenated from that. So that is the type of feeling and mood that we want people to associate. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel exactly the same that it's, it's something that you not should do all the time but definitely allow yourself to daydream I mean everyone should have a dream and everyone should be allowed to just tune out from reality for a little bit and just go into a space where they're safe and can dream up ideas of where they want to go what they want to do um, I actually read something today where it said that it's it shouldn't be encouraged because you come up with scenarios that might never happen Whereas mm -hmm. I think you should do it and just let your mind go wherever it needs to go um, because you never know what that's going to spark. So, um, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I think, you know, from a, sign, from a neuroscientific perspective, mm. brains are created in such a way different from animals that allows synapses to travel from one part of the brain to another part that allow these what if scenarios. And that's where creativity lies is you are able to think of something that doesn't exist or potentially doesn't exist in the way. And that's what creativity is. And if we don't allow ourselves to do that, then we wouldn't really see innovation in any regard, you know, like we potentially would be in the stone age where the wheel would still be made out of stone. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I think it's, I think it's um, very important for all of us to daydream and be able to feel like exactly what you said, have the space to feel comforted in, in these what if scenarios, because that's the advancement of society and that's the advancement and the well-being of the individual as well. I mean, how oftentimes have you had a problem 
or something that you're thinking about. And then when you kind of let it go, your unsubconscious mind is um, thinking about it, but you're not consciously thinking about it, whether it's you're dreaming or something or um, showering. And then you come out and you're like, wait, that, that's, that's how I should be doing this, or this is the new thing. I, I figured that you probably have a lot of those moments as well. <laughs> the, it's more the middle of the night, my brain won't shut off, and mm -hmm. like you see the wheels turning. <laughs> that's usually um, what ends up happening. But yes, definitely, when you just switch off for mm -hmm. a little bit, and stop thinking about the problem that's right. usually when you come up with the solution at the end but it's it's yeah it's it's a lovely mix between the two so right, um, right. i agree yeah um you say cure creating not curating um on your website mm -hmm. um tell me a little bit about why that statement Yeah, so I think curating in the world today exists because I, I want to say a large majority of it is um, the, in, the influence of modern technology in the internet, social media, mm. and other media forms. We've made the world so big that we're constantly comparing ourselves to each other. And we're curating our lives and what we're doing based on what others want, mm -hmm. others think is appropriate, or what we think will make others happy. So TikTok is a great example, or Instagram. Mm -hmm. People are curating a lot of the content that's being created for the mass public. And, you know, oftentimes when you talk to those people, they feel a ton of burnout. You know, they're doing this and it becomes a job while creating could, is purely the, the pleasure of doing it for yourself and for others potentially when you're ready to share, but you're not doing it for anything besides the, the pure pleasure, the fun, the stimulating activity. And that's what we're trying to, you know, um, promote is like, don't do it for the gram, you know, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't do it for your parents and like what your boss will think, do it because it makes you feel good and you don't need to share it. Right. I think curating content is sort of what we, what we really thought about there. And mm -hmm. I think it's just much more like show us the messiness. You know, we say get messy and make stuff, um, show us because like oftentimes there's so much of that windy road and that's like the beauty of creativity. Like if we only saw um, finished products, then you're just a passive unconscious consumer of those things. And that's like purchasing a good, right? But you feel so much more attached to a good when you know how it's made, who is it made by, what sort of materials they use, are they eco-friendly? And that is being conscious and active. So We want people to be showing like, hey, I, I make bread as well in my free time. I made a video of like, I, it's not always going to come out perfect. Sometimes my loaves are so dense, like, I don't know what's going on. It's so humid in New York. So my starter is acting differently. All of these different things. But I think that's the that's the the beauty of it. You know, it's that cliche. It's not the it's not the destination. It's a journey. And I have a pretty morbid view. And when people kind of view the other way, I was like, what are we racing to? The race to the end is only like death, you know? Mm -hmm. Fortunately, like if you're trying to get through life very quickly, 
Like it's only going to lead you to one conclusion for everyone, right? Yeah, yeah. You should try to maximize how much you can do in one moment. And a lot of that is like doing it um, is is to create for yourself and for others, but not curate. That's like Mm. tension is wrong there. Right. Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times, how the role of social media is kind of translated into our lives and that Mm -hmm. we always try to present the perfect version even though there is no such thing as perfect but Mm -hmm. everything is always very aesthetically pleasing and I'm guilty of doing that myself Um, everything is color coordinated everything is beautiful and there's no cloud in sight let's say Mm -hmm. Um, how do you think that affects our generation and us moving forward that we're already so deep in this state um that's a great question i think i think we all need to challenge that belief and i think some of the younger generation is you know Mm. i do think that they're starting to realize that technology is or i guess so let me rewind I think the millennial generation, I could speak for myself, we were mm-hmm. the last generations where we grew up with technology, but also saw um, it pre-technology, like pre-book mm-hmm. and pre-iPhone. So we have that mix and we're realizing, you know, there's an importance to having that downtime and having that non-technology time as well. So it's our job and younger generations, I think, are realizing that because they're spending so much time time on technology, that there it's a great way to facilitate human behavior, but it shouldn't replace it. Like Facebook mm-hmm. shouldn't replace you going to have coffee with a friend. Obviously mm-hmm. being post-COVID, right? Like it, or social <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You yeah. should go have a genuine human connection with someone because that means a lot. There was a scientific study done about some dancers on a stage, younger girls that And if their mom was there afterwards behind how their stress levels went down and how their stress levels went down if they got a text message. And obviously, if their mothers were there or their family members were there afterwards behind stage, they felt so elated. They Their stress levels went down after the performance. But if you just got a text from someone, it, it didn't do anything to that. And that kind of shows like when you're sending those have a happy birthday, like that really doesn't mean anything. But a phone call does. We found that mm-hmm. phone calls actually make a difference because you're hearing someone's voice. They're taking time out of their day to talk to you. And there's, there's, you know, we've gone so far away from actually picking up the phone and talking to someone that will ignore a call when someone is not in our calendar, you know? Yep. I think that, yeah. that is sort of a, a sad um state that we all need to consciously think about how how we want to conduct our lives going forward it's a little bit scary to because we did grow up with the offline world and now we're so i'm not i don't want to generalize but i do think the majority of millennials are very in this hamster wheel of social media whereas the generation that's coming after us who was born with all of this um, at their fingertips, they're actually more offline. Like I see it with my cousin who's who has an Instagram account, but he never uses it. And he prefers hanging out with his friends in real life, which is really 
bizarre if you put this in yeah. context. <laughs> no, and I, I think it's fascinating. I, think, I definitely agree. I think maybe because it was the advent of technology in our growing up that became so mm. influential that, you know, we think that is the end all to be all. And that's a means to happiness, success, etc. Versus when technology, maybe for a younger generation, is like, of course, there's the, it's going to be around the same way we think about water coming out of the faucet and, you know, roads so to drive on. That's something that exists. You know, what do we do beyond that? And that mm. potentially when you think about an older baby boomer population, they, you know, didn't grow up with technology. So they are they did have hobbies aside from, you know, when they went to work and came home. So potentially it's, you know, highly influential or the millennial population is very immersed in it. And then it's us that need to make a change. But I think even for the younger population and going forward and for the older population, it's all important for us to focus on our use of technology. And I think going back to habits and rituals around creativity that help you foster good values. Um, mm. like I say We say high quality leisure is like something that leaves you rejuvenated and that's what creativity does mm. now you said that you're building this with your fiance mm -hmm. um what have you have you experienced any difficulties first of all stepping out of corporate and um, starting your own business but also doing it together therefore spending every living breathing moment <laughs> with each other <laughs> yeah no um so stepping out of corporate, it was very challenging, I would say. Mm. Um, I was used to such a structured life being knowing what to do, how to do it, um, especially having been in finance for about five, six years, I knew how to excel at my role. And I think oftentimes, like, even if you don't, like if you're joining a new company, you have others to help you along the way. But entrepreneurship is, you know, if you're, for anyone doing anything on their own is very challenging because you have to figure a lot of these things out on your own and you're potentially mm -hmm. problems that don't have solutions. And that is not something I don't think our education system really facilitates in, um, in, in developing those skills, I think. So that was a challenge on its own, like figuring out, hey, like I need to roll out of bed and create work for myself or nothing's going to happen. How do I actually go about, you know, talking to different people and what do I, what information do I need to move forward? And mm -hmm. so while it's been super challenging and it's flexing a different muscle, it's incredibly rewarding, right? You're less robotic in that your brain is forced to make all of these different connections and come up with different ideas and solutions versus you might like, you know, wake up at 6 a.m., have your cup of coffee, get on your commute, and then you first thing you do is check your 500 emails from the day before and then mm -hmm. opening up PowerPoint, Excel, or Photoshop, any, you know, anything, and then you're mm -hmm. on your computer, then you eat dinner. You know, that's such a, I think a lot of people have days like that but and that's what we're used to so for me breaking away from that was difficult and you know the other element working with katina my fiance i think it's um it's definitely been very rewarding um mm -hmm. work on to work on daydreamers together i think we have a passion for 
building communities and challenging the norm. Um, Katina has done a great job, you know, developing on adulting, which is her um, brand, blog, and business as well to like advocate for millennials living happy, healthy, conscious lives. You know, it's so relatable to daydreamers mm-hmm. on other passion projects together. So it's been amazing that, you know, like exactly said, 2 a.m. in the morning, if we're working on something that we know that we can, you know, none of the other person doesn't need to go travel home. And, you know, we can work at like 8 a.m. in the morning or noon while we're on our coffee walk or making food together. So that's really incredible because you often hear that um, founders need co-founders and that's more like a marriage. And for us, you know, that's truly the case. And while it does come with its challenges, like exactly what you alluded to in terms of we're always together, (laughs) where there is no line sometimes between when we're working, when we're not working, and this is personal time, you know, it's Mm. all of it together, but we're trying to do um, a better job every day of like, you know, on the weekends, like we take inspiration dates for ourselves or used to pre-COVID, obviously, and then we'll spend time just with ourselves and our puppy. And then certain day, certain times in the day, like we'll cook together or when we're um, when we're eating dinner or lunch, we'll talk about other things that are going on in our lives. And, yeah. You know, just you, it, it's definitely a challenge, um, but you have to find the rhythm where you have your own individual space and you're able to work on um, things that are, you know, profess, uh, personally satisfying to you as well and not always focusing on the professional. For sure. Um, I want to touch on you talking about being a first generation immigrant, Mm -hmm. Um, considering this is at the moment very relevant, especially in the US. Right. Um, How was your experience so far? With with, with with the cultural context, exactly what's going on, or, or do you mean specifically for day treatments? For how you are doing in the space that you are in, move, like being in a different country from where you're originally from, um, and experiencing what's happening with the protests currently and um, just facing injustice, anyone that's of color. Yeah, no, I think this is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I think it's very important as to what's going on. People have a right to their civil um, duties to protest peacefully. And I'm a supporter of that. I've been Me and Katina have uh, joined in on these protests. There is systemic racism throughout the world. And mm-hmm that shouldn't exist. I think that at the end of the day, we all need to think about we are one species, we're all humans, and there sh- we should all be treated equally. And the fact that the rights that people of color and especially Black Americans are fighting for today ha- are the same rights that they were fighting for, you know, 100 years ago or even more, and that we're not making enough progress in order for everyone to feel included in society and to be a contributing member to be successful and to be happy is very disheartening. So I think, you know, oftentimes like 
the media will focus on the negative aspects of the protest or um, the potential risks when in this current health, health pandemic. But it's also very, very important to focus on what is right. And potentially this is the right time to do all of this um, in, in order to enact change. So I think that I have dealt with racism growing up um, throughout my childhood. I continue to uh, see that I'm Punjabi and Katina's Greek. So just from the color of our skin, we'll sort of get treated differently um, in different scenarios. And, you know, I think that is a very, you know, unfortunate state of the world. And we have to be conscious in every possible way to educate others. So if you see something that makes you feel uncomfortable, um, you should say something about it. And oftentimes I say that it's the people, you know, um, Caucasian people or white people really need to stand up for the people of color when they see injustice, because those are the ones that other, you know, Caucasian and white people will listen to as well. And they will not have the negative repercussions the same way maybe a person of color would. So I think it's, you know, I think that we find that very relevant. And that's always influenced us at Daydreamers, you know, regardless of your color, your creed, or your social economic class, we always want to create spaces for every human to feel included and inclusive in, 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 in the most accessible way. And that's like, you know, based on who we are as people, I don't think that'll ever go away. And hopefully, you know, people challenge us to do even bigger and better. So we always welcome feedback from everyone. Have you ever felt excluded? Yeah, hundred percent. I've mm-hmm. been in growing up in New York City. Um, I grew up in Queens, and I used to wear a turban growing up throughout okay. high school. And you know, getting race uh, races slurs sort of thrown at you, like towel head, go back to your country. Um, you know, post nine eleven, it was a lot of hatred against Sikhism or anyone who was wearing a turban. And as a child, you really don't understand what you did wrong, you know, um, and even, 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 even today, you know, unfortunately that exists. Like I was saying, alluding to when Katina and I will go, um, to predominantly white sort of neighborhoods, we'll see people looking at us differently or we'll get mm-hmm. it slightly differently than other ones, whether that means that we get our table a little bit later to eat or, you know, we're kind of questioned as to certain things like, do you have a reservation or something? I would just say those things because that happened this past weekend when we went out um, to, to go out to a beach. Um, okay. I think like, you know, it exists uh, all around us, you know, and I've experienced that throughout my childhood and even my, in my adult life. And how does that make you feel? It's frustrating, you know, I th- mm. it's really really um upsetting to to have to constantly battle for the same rights just because of your the color of your skin or um the way you look and i i think like there there's multiple different ways people can deal with that frustration whether it's anger or whether it's peace like you know going completely the opposite route and i what I do is I often will not back down from a confrontation, not in an aggressive way, but I, I would, 
I've learned that I need to always be the one that is very calm, cool, collective, collected and be able to explain my position while I should be the one that is enraged because there could be negative re- repercussions to me. And that has allowed me, I think, like in potentially going into finance and others to question things when they're incorrect and actually like fight for justice um, in these minor sort of interactions, because I think that is when society will change. Like there will be systemic change over time. But if people's behaviors don't shift by these small altercations that they're having by everyone around us, then, you know, while the rules for voting really did change in the U.S., um, they weren't really enacted, I guess, like until much later. It was still that women couldn't vote vote in the same sort of quantities that men were voting, blacks were Mm -hmm. voting because of redlining and different, you know, legislations uh, that have been sort of banned, but culturally they were being held up by local economies and societies. So I think it's, I think it's important for every facet of the world to kind of come together on this and everyone in the world, not Mm -hmm. just specifically the tensions that are building up in the, in the U S I think it's happening Mm -hmm. everywhere. How do you think we move forward from here now that, I mean, some of us have been aware for a very long time, but the change is happening very, very slowly. And until the outbreak of these protests, it's been kind of, we know about it, but we're just gonna, you know, look the other way, or it's not a daily present thing for many people. But how do we keep the momentum going and how do we actually invoke change i know it's a loaded question and yeah um but i i'd like to hear from you what you think yeah i i think that we continue to need to apply pressure in um protest and you know reaching out to your you know legislators and house of representatives and senators in order to you know, have legal change and Mm -hmm. should continue. And we need to have people step up in this movement as leaders to be the go-to in in order to create, you know, policies that are beneficial. But I think what is the duty of every single person is to fight racism when they see it every single day. Mm -hmm. That will change how our society continues this and it's not um continues to make progress and this isn't a short time like this last month where you know there's a bunch of protests and there's you know a lot of people supporting black artists and black um, businesses and brands you know for this short amount of time this is over the course of um the rest of humanity we should be treating people equally and in order to do that you know challenge the companies that you work at or the people you work with um, are we take a hard look in terms of who the people are around your table? Are you surrounded by a diversity of black, brown, yellow? You know, are you surrounded by people that come from different socioeconomic classes? Because that's what really matters as well. Are we giving opportunity for people to move um, from one socioeconomic class to another? And that exists in every possible way as, you know, as a photographer helping local brands, whether that's, you know, um, for us, making sure that we have a, we work with a lot of women on our team and we work with a lot of like 
Um, you know, we're looking for a lot of diverse creators on our teams as well. Mm-hmm. Of us, Katina and I are, you know, diverse from background as well. So always trying to just challenge yourself in terms of what exists in life today, you know, and I think that'll, I think in my opinion, that those are the small things that make you feel really good inside because you see them right away. You hold mm-hmm. them open for someone that makes you feel great. It's the same way that'll continue to allow you to stay behind the momentum that is building and not lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little fun fact, you're the first male that's on this podcast. Let's and, go. Um... <laughs> first Indian male too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and um i wanted to ask have you ever had difficulty with this societal picture that's portrayed of what a man should be yeah 100 i think that's a huge huge reason um why we think that creativity or a lot of the outward behaviors men or males don't feel um that they can engage in this behavior. There's these gender norms or even other uh, gender norms, you know, non-binary or all gender types have different norms. Um, and I definitely feel like if as a, as a young kid, you know, it was in, never really promoted, you know, play with the easy bake oven because you like cooking or help mom in the kitchen. It was more like, why don't you go help dad with the car, you know, mm-hmm. like so masculine. Um, and, I, I definitely think that that sort of energy exists in different industries as well. When I talk to uh, my friends that are still in finance, like they they think that they can't, you know, engage in creative behaviors because that's not like a, a masculine thing to do. Versus, you know, uh, so many amazing chefs are men, so many woodworkers are men, so many painters, artists, uh, dancers. Uh, so there's just a, a a gender norm people have to be, break through as well, which, you know, that that is exactly what we want to focus on. And, you know, Liz Plank, uh, someone we, who we had on our podcast for Unproductive Podcast by Daydreamers, did mm-hmm. research on gender norms and how they really inhibit men from being their truest selves as well, you know. And on the flip side, it also makes it, harder for females and feminine um, energy to be like, oh, I can be doing woodworking or I can be doing something that is a very technical, um, you know, creative thing like robotics. And I think like that those those gender norms inhibit us from being the best that we are in our inner core. So we all need to challenge that. Have you ever had anxiety about trying to live up to the standard? Oh, the masculine standard? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, you know, when I talk to my parents about making this shift um, from even corporate to entrepreneur and especially creativity, um, you know, they just didn't understand that. I think mm-hmm. there's pressures that growing up um, as the youngest son and the only son in the family. Like when Katina and I have family, I should be the primary breadwinner. I need to be mm-hmm. about different things like changing light bulbs and, you know, stuff of that nature. But I don't think that that necessarily needs to exist. Um, so there is a ton of pressure in terms of what a man should be doing. And I think that, 
that behavior needs to be challenged alongside all of the other alongside the civil unrest that we're seeing right now, right? Obviously, that's at the forefront and very important. But I do think that, you know, creativity is is is, is an innate hum, humane behavior, innate human behavior. And we need to allow everyone to really foster that and mm. really be, you know, suppressed by the, the societal gender norms. I have some short questions to awesome. wrap things up um what does creativity symbolize to you creativity um i think it's truly anything that you think of and whether that's exactly the same thing that you're you, you might be sketching that someone has made the way you're gonna do it is gonna be different it's based on all the experiences you've gathered in your life the way you sketch so creativity is just making something that is inherently a representation of who you truly are and the experiences you've gathered over time what rule should be broken according to you What rules should be broken? Hmm, this is a great one. Um, I think we need to break the rule in society about we, that we need to be productive, efficient, and move from point A to point F in the most linear manner. I think it's mm -hmm. important to gather experiences and dots as uh, along the way in order to live our most fulfilling lives. Mm. What does being a boss mean to you? Being a boss, um, first, I, I, I think that's a terrible term. I think <laughs> um, uh. I would love a boss, if you relate that to a manager, someone who's able to, um, you know, bring the best qualities out and, and, and best qualities out in the folks they work with and then also work on their weaknesses with themselves so that they can feel the best that they can be. I think mm -hmm. people are really gifted in doing that. And some people, you know, are not so anticipated that those are completely, um, completely okay things, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think a boss has such an, a connotation in my mind coming maybe from finance that like a directive order from someone and they're always right. And you're always wrong, regardless of what the facts are. So, mm -hmm moving away from that and including much more of a two-way conversation with anyone mm -hmm. working with. And last question, um, what is epic at the moment? What is epic at the moment for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a tough one. Um, I think... Sorry, that's a tough one. Um, what's epic at the moment? What's keeping me? I think it's daydreamers for me currently, just because we're at this influx where we're looking to adapt. In the next few weeks, we have something coming up. Um, like I mentioned, the Leisure's Toolkit. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's super exciting because we're starting to bring our vision to life. And we're going to expand on this. We're doing a small scale test and then we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. Mm -hmm. so that's pretty epic for us. I think professionally and personally, it's, um, you know, something that I'm really thrilled and excited about. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm very honored that I was the first male. <laughs> <laughs>
Ho- hopefully there will be others and the bar isn't too high for them. <laughs> there will joking, be. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again so much, Dee, for taking the time and sitting down um, and chatting with me. I loved it. I loved every single minute of it, um, as I always do. But these conversations just keep getting more special um, with every episode that I do. I said that last time, and it's really true. Um, We covered a lot of different topics, and I really wish we could have talked for longer, but I didn't want to take too much time out of his day and I know that the longer episodes are not being listened to it in its entirety so I try to keep them a little more concise but I'm sure there's going to be opportunity for us to come back and chat some more Um, he had some really great insights and I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did um, recording it Um, Creativity is something that's near and dear to my heart. I've always been a creative child. Um, as well as a logical person, I try to see reason in things. And I do often move from A to F in a linear line because I it gives me anxiety when things go awry. <laughs> but in recent years, I've really try to let that ideology of having to reach certain points in the exact way that you imagine without allowing um, changes to happen throughout and your path to kind of drift off into different directions. Um, I've allowed that to happen much more and it's, it's been very eye-opening for sure and um, scary at times and like I said sometimes at 2 a.m in the morning and your mind won't shut off and you just the wheels are turning in your head it's exhausting but when you figured out that solution um, to your problem it's the most rewarding thing ever and we've talked about this in a previous episode uh, where as an self-employed or entrepreneur um you have to figure out all the solutions to the problems you're facing. There's no one that's going to guide you. And in a way, it's overwhelming. And in a way, it's so exciting because you create the end result and um, you see how the problem shifts and becomes um, a solution and then a final result. So... Um, I always enjoy a conversation about creativity and, um, and yeah, the other topics that we covered, you know, with technology, with social media, with not curating things, it's a conversation that I have very often, um, granted I sometimes ignite it, um, because it is something that bothers me and I (laughs) if you've listened to other episodes I think that's become very obvious that the curating of the perfect life and presenting that on social media is something that is not sustainable and um, doesn't bring us any value and we need to go back to 
maybe a more offline life or or maybe not consuming more content than we are creating and actually go and spend more time off your phone and take the photos, you know, um, take out pen and paper and just draw something, just go at the paper. It, it doesn't have to mean something. It just can be releasing that pen to paper and letting it flow and letting your mind just zen out for a little bit um, to reestablish the balance within us. I think it really resonated to me when he said that we should stop aiming to race through life and we should stop it really resonated with me when he said we should stop racing through life there's 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 no winner at the end we as as unfortunate as it is but we all die at the end of our lives whenever that end is so racing through it only gives us the regrets at the end that's when we say why well, I wish I would have done that or I wish I would have done this and spent more time doing that. Um, so it, it again ties into a former episode where we talked about divorcing from having to reach certain milestones at a certain age. And it's so true, you know, life keeps going and you don't know when it's going to end. So do you want it to... Do you want to spend your time living up to those milestones or do you want to actually be present and enjoy your time and do something that makes your heart skip a beat and um, your mind sending, your body sending serotonin throughout, you know, ex ex having explosions of serotonin. I would rather have that than be married and have kids and have a house at 30 just because society kind of deems you to do those things so all in all amazing talk um i really hope you all enjoy this episode um if you have any questions please don't hesitate to contact us um i've linked the profiles and website and their podcast they have their own podcast have a listen to that um i've linked all that in the show notes so have a look and um yeah see you next time